When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. And if you're following on YouTube, like button, subscribe button. If you want to find us there? Go to Empire Media A M P I R E. It would be much appreciated. Well, today it's Wednesday, August 17th, and here is your practice report. I'm going to get to a few topics. Antonio Gibson, Sam Cosby at right guard. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Jack Del Rio, F.A. Obata, Stephen Parker, making noise at strong safety, and more. But first, let's start with Carson Wentz. I'm going to start there because I brought on Mike Jones um, last week to talk about his interview with Carson Wentz, his impressions of Wentz after the interview, and he wrote a story on him. Well, I had a chance to sit down with Wentz the other day for an upcoming story on ESPN.com. And I'm just going to give you a couple of general impressions and they kind of mirror what Mike Jones had to say. I think, I think Washington, one of the things they're doing very well is, is allowing people to get a chance to know Wentz. There have been times in the past with quarterbacks here, and I would include Robert Griffin III among them, guys that we just weren't able to develop much of a relationship with. And I think it hinders the player, and I think it hurts the media too. You don't get a chance to know a guy, they don't get a chance to know you. And when you're trying to write about a guy, you want them to have an understanding of your approach as well as much as we need to understand who they are as people and maybe some factors behind their decision-making. I think it's important for them to know why is this person's approach to asking questions? Maybe why are they asking that question? Maybe it's something you've talked about with them in the locker room, et cetera. But it all comes from having a relationship. So they're trying to get Wentz out there with everybody to develop that. And I think that's very smart. Anyway, after sitting down and talking with him, a couple things jumped out. He is very much at ease in his surroundings, in the building, in the area. I think, I think Wentz really likes being in Northern Virginia. I think it's more, the pace is more akin to what he's used to having grown up in North Dakota. I think Philadelphia, big city, maybe that was a little bit too much for him at that stage. And that's not the reason why he failed there. I just think it's why he's comfortable here. You know, I'm not going to blame that on his failings because there were so many factors that went into that. And he actually did pretty well for a while in Philadelphia. So it's not because of the city itself, but I'm just talking about his comfort level and where he's at in his life. He's married, two kids. I think this area, again, I think it really suits him well. And I, I did ask him, how can that help your play? And he said, well, I don't know that it's necessarily going to help him on, on, on the field. Is he going to, is he not going to force the ball because he's, he's comfortable in an area? Well, no, but what it does do is allows him to go to work here with peace of mind, knowing that his wife and kids like where they're at and that they're doing things that they enjoy in this area. I think that's a big deal. He, he and his wife, they're both very outdoorsy. So I think, again, you go out, you're in Northern Virginia out in this area, you're not far from things that are, fun for that, whether it's a winery, whether it's a brewery, whether it's going hiking, kayaking, whatever, hunting, whatever, it's all there. 
I also know that he's made an effort to get to know his teammates a little bit better. Whether or not that was, you always hear that was an issue in the past. I don't know to what degree, um, but I know here he's made, I know he's had the Leno's over for for dinner. I think they're good. I think he and the Leno family, he and Charles Leno getting fairly tight. Adam over steaks. He cooks a mean steak, had Tressway and his family over for steaks. I know there's some defensive players that he gets along with very well. So I think, again, I think that's an indication that he's feeling good about where he's at. How that translates in the field remains to be seen. But I think sometimes you wonder, players and people mature throughout their life. He's different at 29 than he was at 22. And he'll be different at 35 than he is at 29 because you go through more life experiences. And I also think that as in terms of one of the big things I think will be key for him is how he responds to adversity throughout the year, because that's something that you'd hear in the past. How did it go? Does he have the locker room support if things start to go awry? That's also something for every quarterback. And that comes back to, to leadership and developing some more of those relationships. One of the things that's things that works in Wentz's favor for where he's at now is he's he's a lot more relatable to others than he was when he first came in the league. Back then, he's a high pick, second overall pick, you know, franchise quarterback, all this, all that. Well, very few can relate to what he's probably going through. Well, now he's not only he's he's been the starting quarterback, he's been benched, he's been traded, he's been booed, he's been traded again. You know, he's gone through controversy. He's gone through so many things. But I think for other guys now, it makes him a lot more relatable. When Alex Smith was here, that's one of the things I talked about with him one time about leadership and all that. And he was a great leader. He would make a point to sit with, sit next to somebody different in team meetings every time to get to know people from different sides of the ball. I don't think Wentz, I don't know that Wentz is doing that, but I do know there are some guys on both sides of the ball that he's gotten to know fairly well. But I did, but I do remember with Smith that he would talk about how he felt as he, you know, one of the changes in his career was he was more relatable. He had been traded, he had been benched, he had been hurt, all those things. Same with Wentz. You have to then develop that into quality leadership skills. And we'll see how that goes with him. Again, to me, the key for any quarterback, how do you respond when things go poorly for you? Because in every season, that's going to happen for pretty much every quarterback. And so when he, the way he responds will help define how he's viewed in that locker room. But like I said, the key thing for me when it came away from that is he is, a, he is personable and he is very relaxed and at ease in this atmosphere in Northern Virginia and out here at the commander's facility. Let's get to Antonio Gibson because he's been a big topic this week, as you know, the fumble. And then the last couple of days in practice on Monday and Tuesday was not working as much with the ones as he had been before the fumble. In fact, he also took some reps in special teams as in, as in the slot protection, the wing back, um, protecting uh, Tressway on the outside, obviously going down and covering punts, but it starts with protecting. And that's something that a backup running back typically does. That's what Brian Robinson had been learning. At Gibson had not been working there in the past. But I do think it's important for you to know that because if it doesn't get better for him, he's going to have to do that. Brian Robinson would have more of the full-time role. Not there yet. Um, I do think that Robinson got more work with the ones this week than he had previously, especially in some run situations. Today, Gibson got more work in the past situations um, with the ones, so they still value him there. So they're not writing him off by any means. Don't push him out of town just yet. I don't think we've heard the last from Antonio Gibson because as someone here told me, he was having a really good camp. They were pleased with what they were seeing. He just needs to fix those issues in games. If he does, they're going to fall back in love with them really quick. Trust me, 
because they want him to succeed because he's got that explosiveness that Robinson doesn't have. Robinson offers more probably consistency, not probably offers more consistency as an inside the between the tackles runner, but they want Gibson to succeed because of that explosiveness, but he's got to fix it. And what they have now are options. And when you have options, you can send messages to people and, and feel that the message will probably be heard because if it's not heard, he's not going to get on the field as much as he wants to. Today, he was also taking some reps as a kick returner, just in some special teams drills. Again, another role that if you're not the primary back, that you're going to have to play because that third back is going to play special teams. J.D. McKissick is going to have his role, and it's going to be an expanded. It'll be a, not expanded, but it'll be the same role he's had. And again, I told you the other day, they have options. If, if Gibson doesn't work out, you can either go to Brian Robinson and run situations, or you can spread the field and use J.D. McKissick back there. That's a definite option for them. But that's why Gibson has to learn some of these other special teams roles, and it's why they can send a message to him this year. Get it right, or we're going to look elsewhere. That's what they're telling him. But I will say, I stress, they like how he has responded this week, and that's a big key. Players are still supporting him. But the coaches like what they've seen this week. Another guy I want to talk about is Cam Sims. Had two catches today. Again, today was more of a – it wasn't a walkthrough – but it wasn't necessarily a full all-off practice. A lot of scout team work, whether it's for Jacksonville or Kansas City, they weren't saying, but it was scout team work. But Wentz had a couple, excuse me, um, Sims had a couple nice plays. I think one was on a post. I can't remember if it's a post or a dig, but I saw the end of the play where he's, you know, good timing with Heineke, cuts across the middle and, or cuts, makes his cut, cuts inside, able to go up, nice, nice timing on the throw, good catch by Sims. Later, he has a highlight catch. And it was at the goal line in a hurry-up situation where it was it was not a scout team situation. It was full go. Yeah, it was full go. And then he so in the right corner of the end zone, goes up high. Cornell there is right there. And the, you can hear the defense players yelling for other because his coverage is tight. And I think they just assumed he was going to knock it away. He didn't. Sims held on to the ball, falls to the ground in the end zone, caps the drive, caps their hurry-up two-minute drive with the touchdown. Sims is a, This is why Sims is always valuable here because whenever they ask him to do something, he can go out and do it. It's his value, first and foremost, is, is really special teams, really good blocker, but special teams where he's a gunner. The other day in, in the game, one of the things I think you see, the veteran savviness that he has, he lined up to far outside as a gunner. The the two guys defending him thought he was going to take an outside release, so he stems that way. They both fall that way. He goes back inside and gets down there before them. And that's a tactic that when people watch film, now they have to be aware of that, that he might do that. So it gives it gives him some other options on the road. But it's why that guy is always able to stick around because he knows how to contribute when needed and also other roles that he can fill and fill them well. All right, let's get to Stephen Parker because he's becoming an interesting story in camp or an interesting person in camp to watch. He has wedged himself into that strong safety position race and they, he's going to make it hard for them to get rid of him. And I think they're going to have a hard time getting rid of him based on the way he's looked. Plays fast, plays physical. And you we saw that in the game the other day, made a couple of nice uh, sticks. Physical. And I said that already, but the, he, that's what he is. And then even in practice, one of the things they've liked is that they feel like he's been smart about how he plays in the practice field. Not necessarily in terms of where he is or anything like that, but in terms of you're going to go make a play and you have a chance to make a play, but you're going to pull up because you don't want to knock your teammate to the ground. That's something that coaches like in, in training camp because they don't want to get guys hurt. But he's done that. So what the coaches see, he makes the right decision. He makes the right move. 
and then he backs off so, so he takes care of his teammate as well. That does resonate. That's one of the things that I think Ron Rivera was upset about in practice on Tuesday when he told you he talked to the team, talked, yelled at the team for about five, six minutes afterwards, and he really wouldn't expand on why he was upset, but he kind of hinted at it today. He liked the tempo today. He liked the attitude, but what he didn't like yesterday, he said that there were a couple of times there were shots taken that he didn't like. We saw Sam Howell one time go to the ground, and there was another guy who went to the ground another time. He said if it's in a game, you could get penalized or certainly in trouble for something like that, and that could cost him a game. So he wants them to practice smarter, and that's one thing that he said that I know they like about Parker. So Parker's got a shot here. He's been, This is his sixth franchise in the last, I think it's four years in the NFL, four or five years in the NFL. He was with the Giants last year, um, trending well, and then he gets hurt. Um, so guy to watch. Just see where he goes in the next couple of preseason games. But he's got a shot. I want to talk just for one minute on Sam Howell before I get to Sam Cosme. So watch a little bit of Howell today. And this is where this is one of the things I like about training camp. What you get to see up close is after practice, him spending a few minutes with quarterbacks coach Ken Zampezi, just going over footwork on, in the, on handoffs in the pocket. So what I was watching him do is you're faking a play action fake. You know, so where are you turning your feet? How do you get your feet turned around? How do you slide in the pocket and then step up and make the throw? That's one thing he did for a couple minutes with Zampezi after practice, but it's where he's at in his development, just getting used to the footwork of various situations or plays. It's, you know, handoffs and how you need to move and to get the timing here and how you need to move in the pocket here, how you can maximize it because it's different than in college, but it's all something that a quarterback needs to learn. Good opening series, good opening game for him. Still has a lot to learn, but this is what he's doing. Now let's get to Cosme. Because why was he playing right guard today? Well, it's pretty easy. They didn't have anybody else. Or you look at the sidelines, on the sidelines today, Trey Turner still hasn't practiced since early in camp. Andrew Nowell out. Not sure exactly what his injury is. Undisclosed at this point. That's all. That's what I would say. Wes Schweitzer, hip injury. He was out too. So your, top, your, your starting guards and your primary backup were all out. So the guards were Sadiq Charles on the left side and Sam Cosme on the right side with Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. On Tuesday, they inserted Chris Paul into right guard. He's a rookie. He's, I, as you know, I think he's looked good. They think he's looked good, but he's still learning the position. So what you have to prepare for, and this is one thing offensive line coach John Max, Matsko does very well, not the one thing, a one thing he does very well, is prepare these guys for situations. And I think, you know, I think there's a, you wonder about, the continuity of this group, you wonder if they could have a stable starting five. I don't, I think that right now you certainly look at that and say that might be not where they go. So you have to prepare for various situations. You have to get used to guys coming in and playing next to them. So today they put Cosme inside. He may have to do that in the game. So get him used to that right now in practice. This is a position that a lot of analysts, or at least a few analysts coming out of the draft to last year felt like Cosme would be better at a guard then at right tackle. And trust me, if they had there, they were there were a couple of tackles in the first round they really liked. If one of them had fallen to where they were picking, they may have ended up at the tackle and shifted Cosme inside. That too was a scenario. I don't think it was the most likely scenario, but it was a scenario and it involved him going inside because they know he can play there. Get him some reps in there um, with Chase Rouye next to him and then Lucas on the other side and just develop at least some some familiarity with, with that. But it would all started because 
They don't have enough bodies to play. And Nolan Laufenberg is another veteran who is still out with an injury. That's another one that you had to list who would have been a guard as well. So that's why they were doing that. <clears throat> All right. Well, today we talked to Jack Del Rio. It's the first time we've talked to him since his comments in June about the dust up at the Capitol. I'm not going to harp on that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I think the smart thing for Del Rio, he was asked about it today, but he directed all the questions to football. He wanted when he was asked about it initially, it's like, hey, we're having a really good camp, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, I'm going to talk about things pertaining to football. And, and he stuck to that. And I think that's very smart. Don't create a distraction. You know, at this time of the year, you did, the, the team certainly doesn't need that. He doesn't need that. We all need to move on from that. And so he was able to do that today. Uh, he also talked about Jamin Davis. Feels like he's playing with a lot more certainty this year. I think that's been evident. I've talked about it. I think if you watch the game, you probably saw some of that. If you've been out of practice, you've seen some of that. So that was another thing that he talked about. He likes the communication in the secondary. That's been noticeable as well. A big difference from last year. I think they're moving a lot better because of it. The thing that still troubles me with the secondary is the depth, especially at corner. If something happens to one of the top three and Benjamin St. Juice is in and out, more than I think that anybody would like. But if something happens there, and Danny Johnson did a nice job last year, has had a good camp, did not have the best game the other night, but has had a good camp and did help last year. But how is the depth at that position? I still think there's a lot of questions there. The other guy he brought up was F.A. Obata. They feel like he's progressing at defensive end. He could be that guy that comes in because it's hard to see Chase Young helping early in the season and being ready on the season. If again, if he's out in that four to six to the worst case scenario to me would be eight weeks. But if he's out more than four weeks, they're going to need another guy in here. Obata could be that guy. They did try Obata inside the other day. I'll be honest. I didn't see, I saw him play there about several, several snaps. Didn't see anything where you said, oh, that looks like a good spot for him. Didn't see him applying any pressure out of that. Not everybody can move inside. There's a quickness thing. I think Kerrigan was pretty good at that at times. I think Sweat or Young could be pretty good at that. Um, Obata to me didn't create anything off of that. We'll see if they try it again, but I think you need to see what a guy can do if you're going to keep him. Daniel Wise does that pretty well. So, you know, he can play outside and inside, but with Obata, I think he looks like he's someone they like as like as someone progressing on the outside. And well, there you go. That's it for me. That's the practice report for Wednesday, August 17th. I'll be back on Thursday with Mickey Javala wrapping up the week and looking ahead to the second preseason game against Kansas City. I'll talk to you next time.